Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Caitlyn Jenner might be running for governor in California. There's a recall election going on in California with their current governor, Gavin Newsom. And uh, so far, it just hasn't had that much excitement. There's no candidate standing out as the real, you know, uh, getting a lot of attention that could dethrone him. But all of a sudden, Caitlyn Jenner's interested, a celebrity. Love the celebrities in California. The celebrity governor, so. The math works for California that Caitlyn Jenner would be seriously running for governor. Nowhere else on earth would that be greeted with anything but a hoot. Be America's first transgender governor. Okay, all right. That is very exciting, if you're excited by that sort of thing. Oh, speaking of the woke, oh, I've been uh, back to reading uh, James Lindsay's cynical theories about critical race theory and all that stuff, and just I, I'm reminded of how, at its base, it, it, it tries to tear down everything. Because if you tear down everything, you have to rebuild. And you're going to rebuild in the image of the Marxists. And that's a, actually Marx himself talked about that. But um, at the heart of it is tearing down everything. And when, for instance, we talked about uh, that Oregon school that changed its uh, mascot, wanted to change its mascot from the Trojans. Maybe they got tired of condom jokes. I don't know. Uh, but they decided to change to the Evergreens. And then at the last second, one of the school administrators said, well, now... There is the unfortunate parallel trees, lynching, racism, trees, and everybody's like, what? But I was reminded doing a little reading last night that part of the, the thing with, the, with the, uh, the critical theory people is you just pick and you pick and you pick and you turn everything problematic. And if you try hard enough, you could turn the words the problematic. And that way you just paralyze everybody, and they don't know what they say, and they feel like they can't say anything, and you tear everything down. So, so yeah, so I this will this will take us off track. But I was, I was listening to this podcast yesterday with some super smart people talking about Hegel, the philosopher who was alive at the time of Marx, and the, the that philosophy comes from Hegel and his his weird belief that when you tear things down something better comes out of it automatically which what in world history shows you that's the case and he used the example of you destroy an egg but you get a chicken you destroy a seed but you get a plant from it okay um but there's lots of ways you can destroy an egg where you won't get a chicken in fact there are millions of ways to destroy an egg where you won't get a chicken but you'll get an omelet (laughs) and when you destroy a building you get a pile of rubble with dead people under it hegel was an idiot anyway (laughs) but that 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 does seem to be the crazy belief a lot of of a lot of the uh the, the marxists who want to tear down society something better will come out of it once you get away from you know the family structure and uh and the way we've been doing things forever something better surely will come out of it no that's not really the history of the world no indeed so this is from loudon county virginia this is a college level um english class i believe it's high school kids but so keep in mind now it's English class, you're supposed to be studying the language and literature and language, uh, and you know what English class is. Uh, but this indeed is the lesson. Instead, they start with a picture of two women, two young women back to back. One happens to be a, a white girl with red hair. The other appears to be, a, I don't know what she is, Hispanic or light-skinned black or something with black hair. But they're back to back, and they're looking pleasantly at the camera. Uh, let's roll it. Tell me, tell me what, what this seems to be a picture of. 
It's just two people chilling. Right, just two people. There's nothing more to this picture? Nah, not really. Just two people chilling. I don't believe that you believe that. Um, I don't believe that you look at this as just two people. Um, I don't think truly you is just two people, just though, two people. is it not? Yeah, but I think you're being, I think you're being, um, I think you're being intentionally coy about what this is a picture of. <laughs> what are you being coy about? It's two people standing back to back in a picture. Yeah, and that's all you see is two people. I, I'm I'm confused on what you would like me to to speak I don't, on in that I sense. I don't think you are. I don't know why you do this. Um, I'm not trying to call you out, but you 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 know you come out off of mute to talk about what this is a picture of, and you act as if as if you know there's nothing noticeable about this apart from the fact that there are two people. Well, I'm confused. Are you trying to get me to say that there are two different races in this picture? Yes, is that I what am you want me to, to say? say? Well, at the end of the day, wouldn't that just be feeding into the problem of looking at race instead of just acknowledging them as two normal people? No, it's not because you you can't not look at you can't like, you can't look at the people and not acknowledge that there are racial differences, right? But if we're going for let's say if we're looking for equality within all this, then why would we need to point out things such as that? Because those things, those differences are real things. So there you have... It's not a picture where it's clear that there are two different races. At least the picture I'm looking at, the way it's shaded on my screen, it could easily be two white chicks, so I wouldn't have... Unless you had introduced the topic of race to me, I don't think I would have thought of it at all, because it's not clear that there are two different races in this picture. Right, but putting that aside for the moment, though, that's just such a beautiful uh, illustration of how the critical race theory people want everybody divided by race. And once race is dealt with, because there are only scientifically a couple of races on Earth, then we get into ethnicity. And then we get into maybe sub-ethnicity. But the important thing is, you have no individuality. You have no individual rights. You have no individual identity. All you have is your group identity. And you cannot possibly look at two people without starting with their group identity. Now, some of you think that's enlightened and good. You're idiots, or at least fools. It's incredibly dangerous. Incredibly so. But that's something. I salute that kid for standing up and 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 respecting Dr. King and not his dope teacher, his dope race baiting teacher. Well done, I say, young man. Could go on uh, on this topic for quite some time, but we have a special guest coming up in a moment or two. Congressman <laughs> Tom McClintock has been down on the border taking a look at how crazy it is, and we'll talk to him next. The Armstrong and Getty Show. State borders have been the organizing principle of the functioning world since the Peace of Westphalia, almost four centuries back. But what do those guys know? They're not all caring and sensitive like you NPR and New York Times types who know that every time a kid gets tossed into America, a coyote gets his wings. Mark Stein on fire yesterday talking about the border situation and how evil it is that we're playing into the hands of these uh, cartels and coyotes who are profiting off of dumping kids off in the desert. Oh, do you see the, the, the one in particular that was making the rounds yesterday was some little kid luckily came across a border agent on the Mexican oh, yeah. side 
crying and had lost his group or his group had lost him, not worrying mm. whether he dies out in the desert or not. Just a heartbreaking situation. Yeah, in short, documenting the incredible human cost of hanging the come-on-in shingle out. To discuss that and his experiences touring McAllen, Texas, and the facilities there, we welcome Congressman Tom McClintock of the 4th District of California. Tom, how are you, sir? I'm uh, depressed after seeing uh, everything I've seen in the last couple of days. It's shocking and it's heart-wrenching. Well, tell us about it. What have you seen? Well, for all intents and purposes, you know, we, keep, we keep hearing the, the, the debate, well, is, is this a border crisis? We're way beyond that debate. The question now is whether we have borders at all, and, and, and the answer is, for all intents and purposes, we don't. Uh, if uh, you claim you're under 18, you're automatically admitted to the country, uh, If um, as long as you cross illegally. If you um, uh, uh, bring a child under six to the Rio Grande Valley, you're automatically admitted. Uh, we saw uh, uh, hundreds of, um, of, of these uh, uh, illegal aliens uh, in the company of, um, uh, of young children. Uh, they're immediately taken to the bus station and sent wherever it is they want to go, by the way, often at taxpayer expense. Um, so literally, and, and the I irony just... Is, the irony uh, is we, we were at the Hidalgo, the, the, at the legal crossing, if, if the same family or the same unit of, uh, cro- tried to cross legally, they'd be turned away. But if they cross illegally, they'll be admitted and um, immediately processed to, to wherever they want to go. Well, I don't want to miss this in case, uh, I want to make it clear in case somebody went under a bridge. Literally, if you pay the coyotes to get you into the country, in the company of a little kid, you're automatically admitted. Yeah, that's, that's what's going on in the Rio Grande Valley, and we saw it with our own eyes uh, just last night. That is shocking. I've uh, also and, heard. Uh, border- I'll, I'll give you ahead. something else that's shocking. Uh, uh, we just came back from one of the refugee centers uh, uh, where they uh, uh, basically house the uh, uh, the, the uh, youths uh, before they're sent to their final destination in the United States. Uh, you may be reading right now they've got about eighteen thousand youths in custody, uh, uh, sixteen thousand with help and human services ready to be be uh, uh, transferred uh, to uh, to homes uh, all across this country. Um, that's that, that's a difference, you know, eighteen thousand than last week and the week before. This is the throughput. The average stay at this center was uh, 24 days. They just got a memo from HHS saying they want to expand capacity nationally to 60,000 beds uh, for uh, uh, use. Now, now the, their turnover is 24 days on average, uh, which means they're preparing for nearly a million use of, uh, uh, to be admitted into this country. That's not including their parents who will then be uh, following if they're not already here. So how's the access been for getting information? Because that was a big story for a couple of weeks that no reporters or, or congresspeople were allowed, you know, close enough to figure out what was going on. Is that getting better? Uh, well, they won't let us take any pictures, but, uh, you know, that cat's already out of the bag. People have seen the, 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 the situation at, the, at, the, uh, at, at these centers is just appalling. I mean, you, you talk, if you think about a cattle pen of, of, uh, with, with, with people literally shoulder to shoulder, uh, that's what a, a, a lot of these units look like. And, and again, these are, these are, uh, uh, youths for the most part. 
um, uh, there, there was one pod you could not even see the floor. They were packed so close together. Now, by the way, when they're tested, about ten uh, percent uh, of them are tested positive for COVID. So, uh, you, you, I can't imagine a more perfect viral incubator than putting hundreds and hundreds of kids into an area that is meant for uh, 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 a few dozen, um, uh, and and having them sit there shoulder to shoulder hour after hour. What a what a perfect way to to incubate a virus. But uh, all this, you know, the, the, the message the Border Patrol is sending us is our border is your border. All of this is coming to our communities, and it's coming very soon at the volumes we're looking at. I mean, 100,000 encounters in February, 170,000 encounters in March. 100,000 is, uh, is the population of, of, of South Bend, Indiana. Uh, 170,000, that's the population of Salem, Oregon. That's in a single month. Well, and my understanding is that encounters represent, I've heard different numbers, 30, 40, 50 percent of the number of people who hit the border, meaning they miss half completely, again, depending on the number. So you could easily see, you know, hundreds of thousands of people every single month pouring into the country. And while I am tempted to go off on the media's relatively muted coverage of this situation compared to a couple of years ago, I want to make sure in the time we have, we get to you uh, and Ohio Representative Jim Jordan. Made a, made a, hello, made a rather interesting uh, demand of uh, the Biden administration relative to DHS documents. What were you asking for? Well, we were we were asking for um, well, first and foremost, we'd like to get the DHS out here, uh, and um, and they're not. Good morning, sir. This is Jose New York. Can you hear me? Okay? Oh, hold on, just uh, I'm terribly sorry. No problem. No, that's all right. We'll we'll let him take care of that and. Uh, take care of that situation. Uh, Representatives McClintock and Jim Jordan have demanded documents and communications related to the DHS warning the Biden team uh, what would happen in the border. What what are you asking for specifically? Well, we want to know specifically uh, uh, what they are planning for and 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 when uh, what kind of warnings they have ignored in pursuing the policies that have brought us to this crisis. I mean, you know, when you, when you destroy the, uh, uh, abandon the border wall, when you uh, 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 announce that you are not going to be deporting illegal aliens from the country, uh, when you announce that uh, 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 youths under 18 will be admitted, uh, regardless, um, you're sending a very powerful message. They must have been warned about it. We want to know what, 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 what documentation was going on. What warnings were they receiving from the Border Patrol? How much responsibility do you feel like the United States has for making these other countries, you know, livable enough that people don't want to flee them? Um, well, that's the whole point. Uh, uh, the, 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 the American principles that built this country have made it very, very uh, uh, attractive to, to people around the world. Most people around the world live in poverty and misery. So, um, uh, yeah, it, uh, Gallup warns us that there are 42 million uh, people in Central America that would like to come to the United States, uh, and now they're coming. Congressman Tom McClintock, 4th District of California from McAllen, Texas. Uh, Congressman, great to talk to you. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. You got it. That's obviously a very tough question. So if you've created the greatest system on earth, you know, uh, personal freedom and free market capitalism and putting those all together in a democracy and a republic and, and created this country, well, everybody in the world practically wants to live here. 
Right, right. You know, that's a great question you asked. I would answer it in two parts. Number one, the framework for our answer is going to be what is best for the people of the United States of America. Certainly should be. Absolutely. Of course it should be. Now, the second thing I would say was, okay, if there's something we can do relatively inexpensively and effectively to bring a little order and prosperity to our hemisphere, to make friends, perhaps to move some of the uh, manufacturing from China and Vietnam to our hemisphere, which, by the way, would have the practical effect of making supply chains a lot more reliable. If there's something we can do that's not just going to be spending taxpayer money willy-nilly, I think that's smart geopolitics. Uh, whether it'll be approached that way, I, you know, I have my doubts. You'd think every president from both parties could say out loud, well, the Every The principle is what's best for the United States. What is going to make the United States a stronger, better country? Right. And if we think letting in this many people, you know, uh, helps us with all these different reasons, economically, jobs, everything like that, well, then make the argument. But it, it usually seems like the argument is made, what's best for those people coming from the other country? Right. And and I wouldn't claim that compassion has no place in our immigration policy. We've always been a country that welcomes uh, refugees and more than anybody else uh, throughout the last hundred years uh, by far. Um, but we must start from the premise. This is a policy for well, by for and of the people of the United States. Boy, that sounds just crazy and ugly and sad down there. Man, people are dying and suffering, and people are just hurling their children at the border. And no end in sight of this, either. Oh, no. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You can promote it on Facebook, just like all those nice cat videos. Human smugglers are turning to new methods in their search for victims. Smugglers are going on Facebook. They're advertising false services and promising Central Americans safe trips into the country. That's your country, by the way, or it used to be before Joe Biden outsourced the border to the cartels. Uh, On Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg is so concerned about disinformation that if you suggest there might be something a bit iffy about those Philadelphia election returns, you're out of there. If you wonder how an unarmed woman called Ashley Babbitt can be shot dead by a police officer and three months later Nobody knows who did it or why. Commissar Zuckerberg might have to slap a health warning on your post or vaporize your account. But if you want to use Facebook to expand your human trafficking operation, Zuckerberg's all cool with that. That was from last night on Fox. Mark Stein talking about how the cartels are running ads on Facebook to recruit people to smuggle into the country for profit and treating them them horribly in ways that often ends up with them injured or dead. Uh, but that didn't seem to bother Facebook. Well, maybe this is a reaction to that. Facebook removed 1,100 accounts today, including many from Mexico, along with networks in Israel, Georgia, Benin, which I don't even know where that country is, and, and others. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, Stein was on fire. He's hosting a Fox News primetime this week, part of that rotating uh, <clears throat> system of hosts they have, uh, and, and, and doing great. You know, as I said during our chat with Tom McClintock, 
And this is reality. And and the one thing I want to talk about in, in terms of uh, the border is performative politics, which Jack has been talking about a lot, where it's not about facts or what works or anything. It's just firing up the crowd and what will make a great meme and, you know, what will get people to stomp their feet. Uh, you know, it's all a performance. If you hang out the shingle that says, if you come, you will get in, the result is the cartels make zillions of dollars. Children are dragged across the desert, often to their death. You'll have little boys wandering, crying through the wilderness until they, if they are lucky, run into a border patrol agent and not a rapist or a murderer or or, a robber or whatever. You have what you get when you hang out that shingle is chaos and ugliness and suffering and then enormous numbers of illegal immigrants coming to this country. You have the social services of your town flooded. You have your schools flooded. It's chaos and ugliness. That's not compassion. It's chaos. And then you get this. Here's the problem with performative politics. And I ought to be happy about this, but I can't help but being just a tad smug. I wish I were a better man. (laughs) The Biden administration is reportedly considering restarting construction of the border wall along the U.S.-Mexico border as the administration struggles to maintain control of the worsening crisis. Now, of course, this is the evil, unspeakable, racist Trump border wall. Wait a minute, they're going to start constructing it again? Not really, says Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. We're going to, uh, we're considering finishing gaps in the wall. It's not a single answer to a single question. There are different projects that the chief of Border Patrol has presented and the acting commissioner presented to me. The president has communicated quite clearly his decision that the emergency that triggered the devotion of DOD funds to the construction of the border wall has ended. But that leaves room to make decisions as the administration, as part of the administration, uh, in particular areas of the wall that need renovation, uh, particular projects that need to be finished. It's so obvious the guy's trying to be too clever by half to use lots of big words and long circular sentences where you lose interest halfway through to say Trump was right. We need to finish the wall because people are exploiting the holes in it. That's something unbelievable. And again. If they'd been sincere and not performative, and part of that is the average voter has no idea what they're talking about, and you have to be exciting and really, really dumb it down to really rock the vote. Nobody wants to talk about that, but I don't care. I'll talk about it. Um, so you have to really, really dumb it down. And you can't say something like, a lot of Trump's policies suck and we don't like them. This is not my point of view, by the way. I'm just saying if Biden was going to be honest. A lot of Trump's policies suck. We don't like them. We think they're uh, they're wrong. Some of them are kind of mean, and we're not going to do it. But, of course, a physical barrier helps the Border Patrol keep control of the border. Now, once people are in legally and all, we'll, we'll be more compassionate. We'll do different things. But to say, build bridges, not walls, how stupid do you have to be to say that with a straight face? <laughs> it's like you're talking to four-year-olds. God, it's unbelievable. All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> so COVID cases are up at least 20% in nine states. That is not good. No, I think there are 30 states where they're going up. Even Coronavirus! As the web- that's right, Moving Cardi. Up. Dr. Cardi, 
even as the weather gets nicer, that's troubling. And they're testing less, and that varies a lot state by state, county by county, region by region. But so some of these states where it's up 20%, it could be up a heck of a lot more than that, actually, since they're, they're, they're testing less. Um, the, the fact that that is not allowed for has been amazing to me since the beginning. But we're still nowhere near France. I hope we're not headed that direction. I don't think we are. I'm not trying to predict that that's where we're headed. Well, it would be shocking if all of a sudden France was right next to America. Right. Are you talking about the continents are drifting? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Somebody texted us about what it's like in France. Now, my brother has been living in Paris for the past year and a half. He said that in addition to a ban on domestic travel, that's right, in France, you can't go anywhere. Imagine if we were doing that in the United States at this point in the pandemic. Uh, and the 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew, they have uh, banned serving alcohol to go also, thus crushing small restaurants that were barely staying open. And so, making me remember my problems. So they have a 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew, stay-at-home order, in the entire country, no traveling during the hours where you are allowed to be out of your house. That's clamping down. Yeah. And here we wow. are over a year into the dang thing. So, so much for the always giving us examples of how the best of the world is governing it, doing it such a better job than we are in stupid, stupid United States. Hasn't turned out that way, exactly. No, it has not. Not not a bit. We're actually doing very well with the vaccination thing, but like you said, there's some troubling uh, flare-ups. Um, and I have all sorts of things I want to talk about. Uh, brand new featurette coming up uh, during the next segment. I realized, to some extent why the Armstrong and Getty show is growing like it is. Okay. And it's not, you know, like our genius, although certainly that factors in. I kid. We provide something nobody else does. It occurred to me as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about. That discussion yesterday about monkey (laughs) testicles? Well, that is also something nobody else does. Yeah, certainly not in as complete and detailed as we had it. Right. We 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 went deep. But a brand new feature... I think you will like coming up in the next segment. I hope you'll like it. If you don't write a scathing, harsh, bitter, unfair, cruel emails. In which you claim you'll never listen again. <clears throat> yes, to Armstrong, uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. New feature next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Tiger Woods update. He continues to get preferential treatment that you or I would not get in crashing his car and that they didn't check his well, blood. Well, he's a better golfer than you or me. They didn't do any sort of blood check or check for anything, you know, he's high or drunk or anything like that, even though he's had two major well-known vehicle incidents on Ambien in the past. And they also did decline, this just came out in the last hour, declined, they, they didn't feel like they had a necessary reason to check his cell phone. For any of the rest of us, they almost automatically, according to people reviewed for the article, almost automatically would have checked our cell phone records to see if we had been texting or anything like that. Right? That's uh, none of your business. And it was just released that he was going 82 miles an hour at the time that he lost control of his car in a 45. God, tiger! In a 45 mile an hour zone. Well, now I'm starting to believe the speed story may be true. I mean, if he was going that fast in a, in a, like a loner minivan, who drives like that in a minivan? And accelerated <laughs> at the time of the incident on the corner. Why, I don't know. Maybe yeah. out of his mind, I think is the reason. 
Now, I've seen plenty of moms doing like 50 through a school zone in a oh, minivan. Yeah. I'd yeah. like to see them dragged out of their van and cuffed. But anyway, uh, it's amazing. People are stupid. I don't like humans. Anyway, uh, so uh, what I realized that this show brings you that virtually no other show really does, um, they might touch on this stuff, but because we're up to our ears in it, we are chronicling the experiment being run by the progressive states and cities of America, particularly in the West. And the policy wonk types based out of Manhattan and and uh, D.C., the Beltway, which is most of talk radio, um, they, they see news stories occasionally, but, I mean, they just see the tiny, tiny tip of the tip of the iceberg. And so what what we're doing, if we have any value whatsoever, and that's questionable, it's to bring you, and Michael, if the theme music is ready, I can't decide whether I should, I'm either thinking of calling it, I'll give you two choices. The Armstrong and Getty Report from the Blue Pacific. (laughs) Meaning the western states. Mm, That leaves me flaccid. Okay. How about... The Armstrong and Getty Report from Blue America. That's pretty good. Add attention ready for duty. Uh, anybody, uh, <laughs> please. Uh, anybody got an even better name than that? Mm. Uh, anybody to throw it uh, against the wall, see if it sticks, or up the flagpole, or up my flagpole? I don't know. Okay, we'll <laughs> go with the report from Blue America. Students who returned to in-person learning at Seattle Public Schools this Monday for the first time in over a year found homeless encampments waiting for them on the grounds of two of the district's campuses. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Neighbors have even photographed King County needle exchange vans right next to the properties, as well as dead rats in the encampments tied to sticks. Okay, what's going on there? Are they staging rat fights, or what are they doing there? It's a warning to the other rats. (laughs) Are they your pets? Are they, are you going to, like, dangle them from the stick over a fire and cook them? Why are they rats tied, dead rats tied to sticks? Is it the occult? I really don't want to get hung up on this, but... The encampments at Broadview Thompson K through 8 and Edmund S. Meany Middle School, uh, neighbors attribute area crime, trash, waste, and needles to the encampments. Listen to this. Listen to this. Seattle public school officials have refused to address the situation, according to neighbors and parents. And in fact, one school board member is even trying to deny that the camps exist as the neighbors stand around taking pictures and say, right there, right there. But this school board member says, First of all, we are against any sweep. They are disruptive. They are terrifying. These people need support. We need ideas for helping, not disruptive sweeps of the camps. Oh, it's just unbelievable. It's the experiment in utopian illogic. Order with no compassion is fascism. Compassion with no order is chaos. And they have chaos. And the poor little kids are finally going back to school. you got bum camps. Moving along. What about the dead rats tied to sticks for some reason? Mm, Anybody knows anything about that? You can text us, 415-295-KFTC. But we move swiftly here, Jack, at the report from Blue America. in Portland are resigning or retiring in record numbers, citing a hostile hostile political climate and incompetence from city leaders. 
Some 115 officers have left the force since July 1st of last year. That's less than a year. It's a world record for Portland, the Mm. highest in at least 15 years, and they're having trouble getting records going back any further than that. A review of exit interviews uh, from former officers shows exactly what you might think. What the city, I'm quoting now, what the city council has done to beat down the officer's willingness to do police work is unfathomable, a retired training officer wrote. I've never seen morale so low. Officers leaving mid-career and sometimes sooner to go to other agencies. Officers retiring when they would have stayed longer if the situation were a little different. And on and on it goes. You remember the riots every night, riots. Cops getting assaulted, lasers shined in their eyes. Um, there's this one uh, uh, fella, Jackery Johnson. He's a, a, a black man, I believe. Um, he joined the force to, quote, make the most out of my life by helping others. When called to protect the city during last summer's riots, he said he felt constant hatred from his own community. At one point, and this is enlightened Portland now, he was hit by some sort of explosive while white protesters belittled him. Wow. That is something. But wait, there's more in a report from Blue America. Actually, I'm going to skip that one and go to this one instead. This is unbelievable. The progressive experiment. It's a story about one Alma Perez. She is a hair salon owner, a beauty salon owner in Sacramento, California. She, I ought to do this chronologically. Long story short, because of our limited time, her business was torched and vandalized twice during the BLM riots. Now, this is a a woman of color, not that I separate people from race, but as long as we're dealing with the progressive lunatics. So twice, her hair salon is firebombed and or vandalized just because it was in downtown Sacramento. She pays to rebuild it. She pays down to the last dollar of her savings to open it up again. Then Gavin Mussolini shuts it down for COVID, even though there's no evidence that anybody ever spread anything in a hair salon. So she's hanging on by a thread now after those. and, And keep in mind, the city fathers of Sacramento permitted all that violence to go on. The cops stood back because they were ordered to, as usual. As usual, So she finally gets her business open. She's poured every dime, every minute of her life into this. Finally gets it open. The city of Sacramento, which is left, had permitted a bum and junkie camp, homeless camp if you, if you like, in a city-owned garage right next to her business. Well, some van catches fire, sets, fu- sets fire to the entire uh, parking structure, makes it unsafe and dangerous. Now she's got to shut down her business once again. Twice because the government allowed riots to happen, didn't protect businesses. Once because they said, you're not allowed to be open during COVID. And then allowing homeless to build a camp someplace they shouldn't be allowed to do it. So that's that's your government that you paid taxes into, allowing all those things to happen in a one-year period. That's just amazing. And let's get a live update from Ms. Perez. This is quoting from the Sacramento Bee. As she contemplated her next steps last week, she stood in front of a group of homeless men who camped out in front of her business after being allowed to do so by the city. As Perez spoke through her gray face mask, one homeless man splashed water in our direction, and Perez jumped backward. 
A security guard stood close by. Whether the man had splashed the water on purpose or accidentally was unclear. Perez, whose long black hair with touches of gray flows down beyond her shoulders, began to cry as she thought about the past and her uncertain future. Her story is the one the city of Sacramento cannot disregard. In its zeal to champion the cause of the homeless, some advocates paint this crisis as a class struggle, simplistically characterizing it. Privileged people stand idly by as the least fortunate suffer on the streets. Perez proves this cliche needs to be dispelled. The reality is far more complex because Perez is nobody's definition of privileged. That's uh, the words of uh, quite a good columnist in Sacramento, Marcos Breton. That's pretty good who understands broad brush stupidity doesn't serve anybody. Slogans don't serve anybody. Recognizing problems and finding creative solutions to them, that helps. That's what you're supposed to do. And the other biggest news out of the biggest blue state in America, California, is that a celebrity might be running for governor. And California loves that. It's Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, boy. The former dad, now mom? To the Kardashian family? 20 years ago, California says, we had a celebrity, Ron. 2021, California says, hold my Chardonnay. I've got a celebrity for you. <laughs> According to Axios, Caitlyn Jenner is uh, talking to heavyweights in the Republican Party about a serious run for governor. I have no idea. Not the, I haven't got the slightest idea how well she would do. I... She's a Republican... She was a pole vault in a blue state, but it's a and state that would love to have the first trans governor. I gotta believe. Henpecked reality, husband. What? Armstrong and Getty.